This episode is supported by Seedlip, the world's first distilled non-alcoholic spirit. Crafted without alcohol, sugar, or calories, Seedlip spirits solve the dilemma of what to drink when you're not drinking, whether it's for the night, the month, or forever. Because as a non-drinker, it never feels good when your only options are water, soda, or sugary mocktails. So now you can skip the booze without feeling left out when it comes to your social life. So whether you prefer punchy citrus flavors, aromatic spices, or savory herbs, Seedlip offers a drink for every type of drinker. It's crafted using bespoke process, including traditional copper distillation of botanicals. And each of Seedlip's three variants, which are Spice 94, Garden 108, and Grow 42, are alcohol-free and have their own unique flavors, which pair so perfectly with just a splash of tonic. But they can also be used to make more complex cocktails, and you'll find those in the Seedlip cocktail book or on their Instagram account at Seedlip underscore NA. So head on over to SeedlipDrinks.com or .ca and use the promo code ThisFamilyTree10 for 10% off your favorite non-alcoholic spirit. This is available in Canada and in the U.S. and now at LCBO stores in Ontario. And again, that is SeedlipDrinks.com and ThisFamilyTree10. Hello everyone, I'm Alex and I'm here with my husband Shane and we are so glad that you could join us for happy hour on this family tree podcast episode 146 and you may have thought last week was 146 but that was my error. Two weeks ago. (laughs) Yeah, two weeks ago. Yeah, we skipped due to sickness again but we have a really great episode tonight. Starting to sound like a broken record, Alex. How do I know how to believe you? When to believe you. We do. We are joined tonight by Laura Wilson. So Laura is the founder of Natural Pilates, which is a line of Pilates studios right now along the West Coast. And she tells the amazing story of how she immigrated here from Romania when she was pretty young with $100 in her pocket. And she she was an archer in Romania, like a national level archer, which is pretty interesting in itself. So she's always been an athlete. And then when she came here, she started this line of Pilates studios from absolutely nothing. Is she doing well? Yeah, (laughs) it seems (laughs) like it. And uh, so we just talked about the art of dedication, how wellness can take different forms. And again, just her experience through it all. So it's really, really interesting. But Shane, before we get to it, cheers, babe. We're doing a Seedlip Garden 108 and Tonic tonight, keeping it classic. Oh, yeah. Non-alcoholic deliciousness. And we haven't been drinking very much at all, have we? No. And we're even, we're off of our non-drinking thing because the show filming is over, but we're still really not back on the train. No, and inertia, I always talk about this, how powerful it is, but we were drinking at least one to two bottles of wine a week. Yeah. And we still, I think we stopped drinking wine. A while ago, and we have like 13 bottles still. We got it. You know, I miss our weekly bottle of wine. I I really love that time. And honestly, I can feel it. I can feel that we're not doing the date night. Like in my emotions, in my bones. I don't know if you can. I feel better. I'll say this much. Not not to be missing date night, just to not be consuming alcohol. Because the next morning, it has a Mm. domino effect that... Sometimes a date night, if it's really fun, you go you go into negative date night the next day. No, I know. What I mean is you can be crabby. Not me, but you. Get out of here. If anybody's crabby, you can be crabby too. Me? Now I've yes. heard everything. I've officially heard it all, folks. Oh, get out of here. Shane the Saint. Okay. So, Shane, we went to Lucy's first school friends birthday party how did i forget about this yes great topic we had like we had a fun filled weekend for the kids it was all kid stuff all weekend 
But going to a children's birthday party, I think that's on my list of things I do not want to do. It's probably the least enjoyable part about being a parent, the most potentially awkward thing being a parent. Do you just mm. stare blankly at the kid? Do you keep to yourself? <laughs> do, are there, is there going to be drinks there? Are the people going to be strange? Is the atmosphere going to be bad? Is the weather going to be bad? Are you going to be indoors, outdoors? All these questions running through my mind. And it's so valid because this being her first school friends party, we knew nobody. We didn't know anybody. So we were walking into this like three hour experience with these people that we had no idea if we'd get along with. And I didn't want to leave. I was having fun. I know. I hadn't drank alcohol in a while, but they had beers there. So I cracked a beer open to be social and I'm making friends. I'm feeling popular. Uh, <laughs> these people were very nice. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if all parties are like this because this was my first one, but I, I definitely did not want to leave. And this was a longer party, too. It was three hours, which I would think most of the time the rule is probably an hour or two at most. Probably like two, but I was nervous for you, Shane, because I know that you don't like social situations, especially if it's a ton of people that you don't know that you have to, because mm -hmm. there's a, there's a bit riding on it. Like Lucy's school is very small, very small. And these people we may know for the next 10 years of our life. And this is our first time meeting them. So I felt the pressure and I could only imagine, okay, like Shane's got to be going through a lot in his head right now prior to going. And then we got there and everybody was awesome and like so easy to talk to everybody. Yeah, I don't want to say I'm getting over that awkward feeling mm. or that social anxiety, but it is slipping a little bit out of my being. I don't know why. What is is it age, experience, the fact that you have a TV show now? No, I, if anything, having the TV show would make me feel much more self-conscious and worse about it. But <laughs> it's, I think, being on set and being around so many people mm -hmm. and also being healthier, I do find makes me feel more confident in yeah. a way and clearer head, less alcohol, eating better, um, exercising more and has made me feel better. I've noticed. Oh, yeah. And the fact that that I have children now, my mother's sick. It puts things in perspective easier for me. Mm -hmm. And you realize how foolish it is to be worrying about other people as much. So yeah, I do find walking in, I like you probably noticed I didn't say anything about it to you. I yeah. didn't have any, you know, intrusive thought of what could go wrong even there. No, that's so good because I didn't want to bring it up because I didn't want to put something in your head that wasn't there. And I was just kind of I just kind of wanted to go and get ourselves into it. You were probably more worried than me, I think. Uh, yeah, I, I was very nervous. But again, it was so great. And now what I'm nervous about is the fact that these people have I mean, this is the first party and the bar is high. Like there was a bouncy castle. There was a really extravagant uh, scavenger hunt. The liquor like the the alcohol table for the parents was amazing the food spread for everybody was amazing Yeah, there was every type of alcohol there was even a, like a bottle of whiskey there you could make <laughs> drinks and they had the, the portable heaters like those industrial oh God, portable amazing. heaters they had the best backyard setup oh, and they had a uh not that you could go in it but they had a hot tub that could probably fit 25 people <laughs> yeah. if you wanted to it was nice it was like you know i was bragging about it actually at work today because some other kids were like bragging about like some stupid things they had to go to for their kids on the weekend. I was like, I went to a birthday party. They're like, oh, how was that? 
and I was bragging about how great it was. They're like, what, were these people loaded? I was like, hey, I don't think so. They just know how to throw a party. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I asked for the guy's bank records, actually. And I can tell you, he is not doing well. No, but uh, definitely nice people, nice experience. And it's going to be really hard to top, not just for us, but for other parents. Like My expectations now are going to be weird heading into another party. And I noticed not a lot of parents go together to a party. Usually it's one or the other. So people did think I was a little strange that I went with my wife. I thought it was great. This being the first time we got to meet everybody together. You know what I mean? It it was nice. Yeah. A man did make a comment about you being hot, though, to your face in front of me, (laughs) which I thought was unusual as a dad move. That was unusual. He he sees Alex and uh, I'm like, yes, this is my wife, Alex. And the guy goes, yeah, this is uh, Shane's hot wife. (laughs) I was like, what? (laughs) That's weird. It was weird. And you know what? I think because he just moved on real fast after that. And I think he was like making like a joke like he was super familiar. But then he was remembering that it was our first time everybody meeting. Mm -hmm. And that's the vibe that I got. So I kind of felt bad for him. But he made a comment similar to that to me because when he saw me, he goes, do you always have that sexy mustache? (laughs) And that's why when you walked by and I was talking about the show and that's the, my that was my lead into the show. I was like, oh, no, I've actually been wanting to shave, but I'm doing a show and I have to keep it and I was supposed to shave it. And I went into this thing. And that's why you walked by and thought I was just bragging about the TV show. But I was yeah. like, using the sexy mustache comment. No, that and that guy was awesome. Everybody was awesome. And one question that I want to ask you before we even went to this party What's an appropriate amount to gift a kid who you don't know? Because again, we didn't know this little girl whose party we were going to. So I was going to say, and this is what we did, $25. We did a $25 gift. And I still think it's good, but I did waver when we were at the party and I saw how elaborate it was because even the goodie bags, oh my gosh, you should have seen these goodie bags. Like they gave the kids goodie bags in trick-or-treat bags so that they could use those for trick-or-treating later. They had these like awesome Alex Toys Crafts, which is a really good brand. And like a bunch of kids, it was just, it was nice and everything, it was pretty costly. Okay, so you're saying how much the person spends should... It should no. matter how much. It's not like the gift goes to the parents. No, no, no. But now, but now I'm I'm unsure. Do you think twenty five is still a good amount, or do you think we're talking about children's gifts? We're not talking about yeah. wedding. How much you should put in an envelope at a wedding, which is actual money. This is just for the children, and I think try to get a money shouldn't really matter. It's mm-hmm. are you putting any effort into the gift? I think if you're going to a Toys R Us or something and trying to get a thoughtful gift that's not too loud, annoying to the parent that's the best type of gift so do you like the gift that i chose it took us 45 minutes to pick the perfect one what was it again kinetic sand it was a kinetic sand kit with like all different colors and like molds it was under the sea that's great it's educational it's fun it's fun for the parents to get involved that you know it's therapeutic in a way yeah, that's okay, a, good. that's a good gift, and the the cost that could have been fifty bucks, that could have been yeah. in a sale thing for five. Okay, it's good. I was worried about that, and when I did see how much effort they put into the party, I was like, oh man, like I really, <laughs> I hope this uh, makes the kid happy at least, which I'm sure well, kids are pretty easy to please. But the next thing I want to talk about, because I've been noticing things as the days go on. Wow, <laughs> do you feel? Like you're getting old. And I don't mean old in the way that 
people think where it's like, oh, my back hurts and I'm grumpy. Not like that. But do you find yourself getting older in other ways? And I, mm-hmm. the first example that I'll think of is we have, so this weekend we actually have a party. I'm going to be on a panel. I'm going to be speaking on a panel about postpartum mental health at MomFest in Toronto. And then you and I are meeting up for the TV show rap party. And then next weekend, we have your best friend's wedding and rehearsal dinner. So that's like two nights of kind of going out. And I was kind of proud of myself when I offered to be the DD for the rehearsal dinner and drive us all out there to Toronto and drive us back home. I have never offered to be the DD in my entire life. Yeah, you're only doing that, though, so you can party harder the second night. Yeah, but even choosing one night instead of trying to make it work for both is a step towards maturity. No, it's not. That's a it's a function of just pragmatism. Shit, I would never have done this in my life. Well, you never would need to because you never had children. If you were in the military and yeah. knew you had to get up at six a.m. every day, you'd party way less or hardly anything at all. It's because you have children and are forced to get up at six a.m. You have to pick and choose your moments. So don't be fooled into thinking you're mature. Uh, I'm still counting it as one tick in the mature box for me. No, you're a poo-poo head. Shut up. If you didn't have children, you wouldn't be doing that. Who knows, Shane? I can't put myself in that situation, alternate universe. But I thought of other reasons why I feel like I'm, you know, Yeah, let's hear those. I'm wearing my hair in a French twist. I figured out how to do it. I'm good at it. And I'm doing a lot. This is an old lady hairstyle. Like, it's been an old lady hairstyle for the last 50 years, and I love it. Yeah, but, that's you know, reason. if I wear suspenders, that's an old man thing. <laughs> I could just be doing it because I think it looks cool. Uh, early bedtimes. When you're not home, I am going to bed at like 9 p.m. Yeah, I would say that is a function of having children, too. And I get really uh, irked when people mess with the thermostat. Who's messing with it? I don't know if anybody messes with it. I'm irked. Yeah, I'm I don't like people touching the thermostat because everyone has their own unique <laughs> yeah. temperature of their body and everyone thinks they're right and I'm no different than anyone else and I think the way I put the temperature is the perfect temperature. Thank God you and I have the same internal yeah. temperature like oh, uh, heat it, needs. It bothers me so much when someone acts like their temperature is the correct temperature and they're like Mm -hmm. it's cold oh my you keep it like that like oh one time your brother walked in he was talking about our temperature i'm like listen kid you don't (laughs) know what my temperature is there's like a 10 year difference 10 years ago i thought my temperature was right it's like remember that yeah no i do no no you're this is our house our temperature is right when i was a kid my mom would keep the house freezing she which is so the opposite of her now. Now she keeps the house tropical. Mm-hmm. But when she was young, and she forgets this, but it was freezing, I'm telling you, like when I was 10. And it's just every t- decade, your temperature changes what you want to keep it at. But your house, your rules, don't go touching it in anyone else's house unless you got to sleep there. Then you have yeah. to find unique you need ways. A compromise. And the extreme elderly and of all course. that. And Shane, though, are there ways that you find that you are getting a little older, a little more mature? I, I'm just getting worn out. I'm, you know, I I have no, I, I don't, I think I've always kind of been an old type person, though. I really have always been older sold, I think. Did, 
You were a party machine in not an old soul type way before, like right leading up to I when think you I've and I started always, dating. Out of all my friends, I've always gone out the least. Out of all my friends. Even like before we met? Yes. Always the least amount. Always was the guy who wasn't around. And the most uh, reliant on friends. Mm-hmm. Have always been an introverted person, shyest. So I don't know. I, I guess in that way, that extroverts are a little bit wilder i think in terms of they go out more they tend to drink more yeah i don't know i'm kind of always i've always watched documentaries at home read books like the least i've read is with you because you don't really read no the least i've read is with you i was a voracious reader i read all the time and then i've tried to start reading with you it's just you you don't do it so no shane i i used to why me why did you stop then why'd you stop I, I have books that i'm reading i just read them when it like when you're not around i was reading today what were you reading I the was back reading, of uh no, mac and cheese it was called what was it called it was called like not the mansion. what's another word for mansion maison <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It was like the mansion of Ortanto or the castle of Ortanto. Where were you reading? Yeah, for your school. For your school. No, no, no. I was reading it on my lunch break. On your lunch break. Okay, well, you. I read more than you. I read eight times more than you. Is this a reading competition suddenly? So Shane wants to portray himself as a saint, not getting crabby, and now as a better reader than me on this podcast. All I'm saying is I've always been an old soul. If anything, I'm younger in the sense that I'm not reading now. Like an old old people (laughs) tend to read more. I guess I'm spotting birds more. I'm spotting birds. <laughs> I'm spotting birds too, and I love spotting birds. I think that's a sign of age when you really love the bird spot. I don't have time to hold a. I feel like uh, young people hold grudges more. Mm. It's hard for me to hold a grudge. Absolutely. And get uh, get upset. And do you like it? Do you like getting older? Because I'll tell you, I love it. I love being cozy, and I think with this whole uh, DDing thing. I'm just feeling a little cozier, early bedtimes, all of it. I love being cozy. Always have, always will. I like, if we're considering older, 40 to 50, sure, I like getting older that way. Yeah. <laughs> but the, like like anything, it's, I, being 90 might be scary. It's like, am I going to die now? You know, and that, that, that prospect is terrifying. That's Death is scary for me. That's got to be really terrifying when you're like of that age. But maybe it's freeing too. Yeah. I don't know. I don't see too many really old people doing crazy stuff. Um, Yeah, but I think there's no desire to. (laughs) They don't need to like feel alive because they're about to feel dead. (laughs) Man, thinking about death and like Lucy's been asking about death a lot too. Mm -hmm. But thinking about death really makes me hope that there is some kind of afterlife, but like a really chilled out one where you don't have to do anything or make any big decisions. But we've already been dead for so long. We've been dead for so long in our life. We just don't think about it. Like until we're born, you mean? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But we only think it's like we're dead only if we've lived, but we've been dead so long. Okay, I got to say, I spent a lot of time last night on like some weird Reddit threads. We've been watching horror movies lately and, you know, we got into like witchy stuff. We were watching Hereditary and there's a lot of like soul jumping and possessions. Don't say we got into witchy stuff. We watched one (laughs) movie that had a witch element. Saying we got into witchy stuff makes us seem very weird. We watched a movie. Okay, called Hereditary, which is a very popular movie. But we're going to watch more witchy movies like The Witch. Yeah, that's it. 
I'd like to see Hocus Pocus too. Okay, I'll watch Hocus Pocus, but I'm not saying I'm into witchy stuff right now. I'm going through my witch face. <laughs> Do you that... know who's witchy? Shane lately. <laughs> oh, yeah, he watched Hocus Pocus the other day Doesn't with his children. Doesn't that sound kind of fun, though? Watching Hocus Pocus? No, going through a witchy phase. Uh, I, I don't know. I, it's hard for me to believe in that. Mm, just lighting candles, you know, burning some things, yeah. howling at the moon. I don't know. I don't like it. But, Maybe that's uh, a sign of me getting older. <laughs> Ten years ago, I would have been right out there howling. But, I, you know, I was looking up like exorcisms and spiritual possession, spiritual possessions and everything. It's like people are so and this is like anything, right? People believe things so much with their whole being. And it's so easy to find people that have beliefs that are so all in mm-hmm. with a lot of spiritual stuff. But it is weird to think that for all of the time like humans have been around for what like 40 million years like well not you you know hominids hominids like us or what sure (laughs) scientists here (laughs) and it just seems odd for us to have no connection to any of that so it it makes a lot of sense for there to be some kind of like energy passing why then what what do you do well i don't know but whatever it was i it like, felt relaxing. The main thing to do in life that I find so fun is eating. It is the best thing. And then when you're dead, you don't get to eat anymore. And if you're a ghost, it's like you, you can't know? go out to eat. How do you know? What if, okay, what if the afterlife is just like, it's the the traditional heaven that Christians and Catholics think of. And it's just a beautiful, perfect day every day with a big feast and lots of fun. And you never have to Why worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> the, thought me, the thought makes me happy. I couldn't control it. So you eat food, but you don't feel lethargic afterwards. Like if nah. you eat a lot of cake or something. Nah, it's just you just get to have little bites of everything That'd you want. Yeah. I would like that to eat a lot. Yeah, otherwise. But you get to play, do whatever. Like you get to play basketball all day, then go eat a lot. And then get to fun. drink and not get hung over. And you get to sing and dance with your friends and family. They don't depict that enough in heavenly stuff. I feel like they should. Like basketball? Christians should promote the stuff. Things you just said would be a lot more fun, I think. Yeah, than like choir looking angels. Yeah, it's just you're in a very like bright looking place. Yeah, I like that. Sometimes I like the darkness. I think there's beauty in that. Mm -hmm. Give me nighttime in heaven. Yeah. But there's something fun too about it just being done. You know, just no no anxiety. I guess you could have that being in heaven, but just like gone. Just wow. It's interesting. It's interesting, but I think it's harder for the people that are on earth to think of the people that they love just being gone with nothing. You know what I mean? So that's why I like the idea of heaven. Yeah, I, I definitely I like hope, the idea of heaven. I hope the Christians get that one right in the afterlife. Yeah, that would be very cool. Isn't it? But then it's all the other religions I would feel bad for because they're wrong. And then the heaven religion's right. Well, maybe it's just like everybody's version of a heaven and it just kind of mingles everything so, together. Okay. Because they're all pretty similar. All right. I like that. I don't think anybody's getting like 40 virgins in the Christian heaven, but, you know. 40 virgins. Yeah. I think that that's in a few religions as well as like um, Norse mythology. I don't know if they get 40, mm-hmm. but they get some virgins. Okay. I, I, I have, All my reading hasn't been about that. <laughs> when I say it, we used to read a lot, it was like Malcolm Gladwell's tipping point. <laughs> this is in the Bible about the virgins? Norse mythology. Okay, I don't read that stuff. But uh, Shane, let's cut it here and let's go to Laura Wilson. But before we go to Laura Wilson, let's tell everyone who we are supported by. 
We are supported by Mini Miosh. Mini Miosh is a premium, organic, ethically made, and sustainable clothing company founded and created in Toronto. It's homegrown and it's amazing because Mini Miosh believes in quality over quantity and they make the best basics for your little kids. Yeah, it's homegrown if your home is Toronto. Yeah, homegrown for Canadians, I'd yes. say. <laughs> but they make really fashionable wardrobe staples for your kids that are like soft, comfy, and timeless and can be passed from kid to kid regardless of gender. Everything is just so beautiful and it has that quality that you don't find in a lot of clothing brands nowadays. It's true. And they also don't make men's clothing. <laughs> <laughs> they did just start making women's clothing. So this is a new addition and they're doing their second drop ever within the next couple weeks. It's pretty exciting. So this is the M and West collection. All of this women's collection is made with French terry. It's that simplicity that you love and still that ethical and sustainable quality. But a man can wear a woman's shirt. What's really the difference? Shane, a lot of the outfits I put on were not feminine. Like they were just very neutral, gender neutral. You'd be able to do it. And Perfect. I do think there was a man there at the shoot who works for Mini Miosh. And when he heard me saying that my husband is waiting for a men's line, he was right in jumping on that conversation because he is too. Wow. I think there's a small hope. world. <laughs> Mini Miosh is on a mission to leave the planet better off for our kids than when they arrived on it. And they believe that every little bit counts. So you can find the company online at minimiosh.com or at minimiosh on Instagram and Facebook. And if you use the promo code ThisFamilyTree15, you're getting 15% off your order. It's available in Canada and in the US, and it's only one use per customer. So load up your cart, you won't regret it. Again, that's minimiosh.com and ThisFamilyTree15. And now let's get to our interview with Laura. Laura, welcome so much to this Family Tree podcast. I'm really happy to have you today and to chat about natural Pilates, your life. I know you've had a very interesting life and I'm excited to pick your brain about that. So welcome. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So Laura, you are living in the US. You have a chain of Pilates studios and you are a big person in the wellness world. These are all things that I'm... Always, I always kind of have my foot in the wellness world, but then I definitely have one foot outside of it, like every day of my life for years. And that's kind of how I find balance. And I have so much interest in finding out what wellness means to other people, especially people that are in the industry and how you find balance if that exists, things like that. But Laura, how do you describe yourself? We're meeting for the first time. Who are you? What do you do? from Romania. I moved in US when I was 21. So half of my life here, half of my life there. And uh, originally uh, from Romania, I did archery as a professional sport. So I used to be in a national team there. And uh, I moved here, here to US for uh, inter-exchange students program. So I came in to work for a couple of months and then go back to Romania and open up a beauty salon used to do for living in Romania when I was in college. So that was my side job. And uh, when I moved in the US, I saw all these young people driving nice cars and having this amazing life. And I was like, no way, I can't <laughs> go back. This is not going to work well. So even though I had scholarship in college, I decided to stay here and apply for college in the US. So I a student visa here. And for four years, um, I, I went um, to school just uh, online. And, uh, you know, I started my career meantime because I had to work, like nobody gave me money. So, and my family was not here. So 
it's not like I could go home and stay with mom and go to school. So I had to work and pay my bills while I was going to school. I started working as a hostess first, and then I transitioned into working into massage therapy because doing facials in Romania, massage therapy was kind of like the closest thing to do that you can get your license really quick. Start having my own space uh, mm-hmm. where I used to do massages. And I also used to work in a physical therapy office where I got introduced to Pilates. So Laura, I want to I want to cut in and I want to ask you because you were a national champion in archery. Yeah, so that was my sport in Romania, which is pretty unusual. Is, is it a popular <laughs> sport in Romania? Um, it's not a popular sport in Romania, but it happened for us to have a club in my small town. So I come from a town of 40,000 people and... Uh, uh, that was the sport that was available in the town. So I got into it and I really loved it because it's a very mind body connection sport. So um, I really loved it because it takes a lot of focus and concentration. And that's kind of how my personality is as well. So it kind of really matched me. Well, I, so, th- I think that's so cool because I have never heard of anybody in my age group getting into archery. And I love that so much because it's coming back into popularity for younger women because a lot of the heroes in movies now like um Katniss from what yeah. the heck's that movie called you know what I'm talking mocking jay what are yeah. those called uh, hunger yeah. hunger games yes and then um <laughs> brave have you seen that one i know yes, you have yes yes and yes. she is an amazing archer and my daughters are like oh my gosh what is that and my li- my oldest one she'll pretend to like shoot arrows but i know nothing about archery so I think that is even such a cool, a cool aspect of your history. Yes, I, I guess archery brings discipline because we used to have, we used to train a lot of discipline. I mean, in any sport, you have to have a lot of discipline, but also concentration and sitting still, feeling your body. So I think it's so important for kids too. So I'm having my kids do it. And I can't say they love it because my daughter is so active and she constantly moves. And my son is more like me. So he loves it a lot more than she does. But I think it's so important for her, mostly because she needs to sit still and she needs to concentrate. The, the, the whole thing is about how do you make that fun for them? So my archery coach is putting balloons for them and they become very competitive of who's popping the balloon first. And they actually sit still so much better and they're doing it, which is incredible. So we do that once a week, which is really helpful for them. That is so amazing. And I'm sure that those skills, because being able to sit there and focus and have that mind-body connection is obviously so important in Pilates, which is what you do now. But that's a skill that you really have to work at. And I've spoken to, you know, yoga teachers and people that are involved in meditation on this podcast before. And I always say like, this is something where I struggle. And this is something that my husband struggles with. And we're already seeing our four-year-old. She struggles with this too. And I'm finally seeing her be able to sit there and calm herself down. And this is really weird because I I kind of find this weird too. But I've been showing her ASMR videos to help her sleep. Where they Do you know what those are? Yes. Yeah. And it's the first thing that I've ever shown her that's been able to get her like to calm down and like think about what she's seeing and close her eyes. And it's kind of like a form of meditation. I'm hoping to then bring that and bring that skill of learning how to relax to like other facets of her life because she sucks. 
But I, I mean, I have. I have to be honest with you. I'm not the person to sit down and relax. That's not me. But when I do <laughs> archery, yeah. I can. That's like the push. When I do archery, I have no choice but sit mm-hmm. there and just feel my body. I never sit down and relax. I never like. I should meditate. Probably they'll bring a lot more balance. But it's just like I don't really quite sit quiet in my mind, and I, I just it gets me bored really quick. So even though I think I really need it. <laughs> so you know. With with that being your personality, you mentioned that when you came here from Romania, you were like, oh, I saw all these young people in their nice cars, blah, blah, blah. And that's when I was like, oh, I want to stay here. It, was it the cars? Are What is the difference between where you're living now? Because I think you're in California, right? Yeah. And where you were living in Romania that you were like, no, I need to uproot my life because you said your family's still back there or was at that point. Well, in Romania, everybody kind of lives the same lifestyle. We used to live in an apartment building like everybody else. You know, my mom used to work in a factory uh, growing up. And, you know, my best friends, their parents used to be doctors. But everybody kind of used to have the same lifestyle of living. Um, Then during after the revolution in 89, a lot of people left in Europe to work and everybody came back with like nice cars. But you were not supposed to like... Unless you had a car, you were not supposed to go in a car with anybody um, because it's dangerous and stuff like that. So, I mean, I never grew up with a car. I used to walk everywhere. And just like, you know, you don't really see how can your life get better when you have big jobs or small jobs that kind of pay the same. And everybody kind of like has the same uh, constant lifestyle. So, for example, my best friend in Romania, she was in fire department work. Now she's in a police police department. She's in a criminalistic. She's going to law school. And, you know, and I, I ask her like, yeah, I really, I'm so impressed because you're doing all this and it's not going to give you any more money than what you're making, you know? But it's just more like she's doing it because she wants to grow mentally versus like, okay, maybe she's going to make just a little bit more money, but not like a lot more money. And I always kind of want have this thing in me where I want to grow and I want to do more and I want to do better and I want to have a better lifestyle. So for me, it was a, I think I was really hungry to have more and to, for my life to be a little bit bigger than what it was. So the revolution in 89, was that like overturning communism in Romania? Yes. 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 And now then, because you mentioned like your friend being a lawyer and doing all these things and not making that much more money, is is it still, there's still a little bit of that, I guess, within the systems and how it's run? Yeah, it takes a very long, long time for things to change. Capitalism is a little bit better now in Romania but you know it's there's still all the bureaucracy stuff that always been there and there's a lot of obstacles in a way and the mentality of people it's a little bit more closed in where you know it's harder to do something you know like for me it's I was telling people like how easy is for me to open a business here and they were saying how difficult it is for them to open a business there so you don't have the same open-mindedness or help from the government to be able to open a business and to be a business owner. So I think that's where Romania is heading moving forward in people opening more businesses and, you know, changing that. But I mean, they still have to fight against the system. So, And I'm, I'm so curious your take on this. And this is totally not what you came on to talk about today, but this is where a lot of my interests lie. And since we're on it, I'm Please, if you don't want to talk about it, that's fine. But what is your take, you know, coming from a country that was communist? My family came from 
like a very small village in Poland occupied by Russians. Um, and it was awful. Everybody in my family was killed. And then they came here. And I always find it interesting in speaking to people from formerly communist countries or countries where there's a lot of actual oppression and then hearing the people because like I live in Canada but it's the same rhetoric that you're hearing in the states now where everybody's feeling oppressed and everything and I'm curious what's your take on that if you're like okay I came from somewhere where there was actual oppression it's like calm down guys or if you empathize I'm I'm, I'm just curious your take because sometimes I get I get frustrated (laughs) I I think when you don't know anything else, you don't know anything else. So for me, I I can say that I had probably a very happy childhood, just, you know, not having much and just being able to go in the yard and play with dirt, you know, and but I just it got to a point where, you know, some of my friends had two pair of jeans and I couldn't afford it. And some of my friends had a better pair of shoes and I couldn't have it. So for me, it just really came down to that. I didn't really know anything else. I didn't know how American lifestyle is. I had no idea just what you're seeing in movies, really. So that's why when I came here and I saw like, oh my gosh, this is like amazing. I was like, I, I cannot go back because my original thought was to go back and open a cosmetology place, just open, like buy a small apartment at the first floor, open the doors and just start business. Yeah. But, you know, I was like, okay, I can go to school here and I could do whatever I want to do there, here. Because I didn't have a lot holding me back in Romania. My mom was there and my brother is still there. But other than that, my whole family lives in Germany and they lived in Italy at some point. So people are kind of all over the place. And I was just really excited for something new, you know, because I knew what Romania is about. And I'm like, okay, let me try this and see how it goes, you know. And I invested a lot of whatever I made into my career and into my future versus a lot of people that come from Romania into America. They save a lot because that's the mentality, you know save, save, save. And I didn't do that. I, all I made, I put back in, I went to massage school. I went to Pilates school. I started a business. Every single cent I made, I, I spend it into my future, you know, versus saving, which I don't know if it's good or bad, but in my mind, I was like, I'm here to stay and I'm going to build the future. I wasn't like, I'm going to save my money and go back to Romania in 10 years, Mm -hmm. you know, because that's kind of like so short-minded to like make a plan that you don't, I mean, you don't know what's going to happen in 10 years. You might go, you might not go, but kind of stops you from growing in my opinion. So like these qualities, right? And to be a successful CEO, which you are, I mean, I see that kind of dedication in your life in in different ways, right? Both in Pilates, in your dedication as an archer and then as a CEO. Was that a quality that you think was like instilled in you as a kid, like something you just grew up inherently having? Or do you think it's something that you had to work on? Because you're clearly good at it. And I'm asking selfishly because I am so terrible at this aspect. And it's something that's in my life. Like I have a business, but I struggle with, you know, making the time and balancing and all of that. I think balance is hard for everyone. You know, mostly when you have kids, and, you know, you have a business, but I, th- I, I think it's genetically embedded. I don't think you can learn 
hard work. Either you're a hard worker or you're not a hard worker. You know, uh, my mom is a hard worker, just like me. So many times she yells at me, stop working, stop working. (laughs) And I'm like, well, thank you so much. I got it from you, you know, but like, for example, my brother is more the artistic mind and he is more laid back and he's more creative. So he is okay with not having more and he's okay with having a simplistic lifestyle. So I really think it's, really the way the brain is designed and the chemical reactions that happen in your brain that kind of want make you want more because not everybody can do 12 hour day work if you don't get paid or you know to put in time and time and time without knowing the outcome right because i've been doing this business for 17 years without knowing at the beginning where i'm going or not having a plan just showing up to work building a business one client at a time And, you know, I think that kind of shows me like the consistency and um, commitment to what I was doing without really thinking what's the outcome going to be. I was just doing it because I loved it and I just wanted to build a business and that's all. So, and now, so like going from that to building your business, how many studios, like if you can kind of outline your business for the listeners? I started in 2005 with one Pilates studio across the street from the Peninsula Hotel in Beverly Hills. I just started in one room and it took many years to build that studio because I keep taking space, more space, more space in the same building. And now we have the whole, the whole floor and the space downstairs. So from 700 square feet, now we're 3,500 square feet. And we really built it one client at a time because I didn't have original investment, right? Like right now, if you want to open a natural Pilates, it's probably costing about $400,000. Well, when I moved here, I didn't have $400,000. So uh, I just, I was able to buy the machines, original machines on a loan. And, you know, I had a rent that was more than my apartment rent. And I just took the risk to start. And I was just very lucky for a good community that referred me a lot of clients. And one client at a time, I just really built the business. And one employee at the time came in on board to help me. And the business slowly grew from like 2005 to 2016. That's nine years of just really taking my time and building one studio um, but, you know, you have to think back then we didn't have mind body. We didn't have all this scheduling software where people could just book in a class. Everything was done by hand and the whole business was word by mouth. It wasn't like internet was not as big where people were going on and searching for Pilates studios like it's today. I mean, today is a different ballgame on opening a new business, doing pre-sales, doing doing marketing, Instagram, social media, um, you know, and getting your name out there really quick. So it was not like that. It was a very slow process that required a lot of patience and a lot of persistency and hard work. Like you can't, you can't stop and you're, you know, you're the boss. So you have to show up to work every day and do what it takes. You know, nobody else is going to do it for you. Well, it's amazing that you not only came, so came over, did that as a new immigrant, but then you're also opening up shop in one of the most expensive real estate centers in the U.S., like in Beverly Hills. That is a huge undertaking. And that kind of thing scares the shit out of me. And I imagine and, you know, I I could go through different facets of my life and talk about challenges that I have faced that helped me be better at what I'm doing, either an interviewer, a CEO, a parent, a friend, a wife, 
whatever it is. But you have, in order to get better, you have to fail and you have to stumble at different things to allow yourself to rise to the occasion and to challenge yourself. And I'm curious that throughout this journey, because obviously you are successful, was there a moment where you stumbled and you didn't know if you could rise to the challenge, but then you did? Okay, so to start with your beginning of your statement, when you don't have anything, you don't have anything to lose. So, you know, I mean, my rent was $500. I signed the new lease. Like, I didn't really have anything. So my only option was to succeed. <laughs> <you know? laughs> yeah. It's not like if I would have like a lot of money and success and I open a new studio and I'm failing and I'm losing the money, you know, it maybe feels painful. But when you don't have that, it's like almost like a new athlete. The only way you're going to win is by winning. Like you can't now win. So you just do 100% whatever you can. And, you know, you're only responsible for what you're doing. You can't be responsible for what's, what's going to happen. You might fail. What's the worst? It can happen. You failed and that's it. Then you move on and you learn from what you're failing is. You know, there's a, I, I was part of this um a workshop where they were talking about Edison, how many ways Edison failed of making batteries. So it was like 250 ways he failed before he made the right one or electricity. I don't know what, I don't remember exactly what it was about. And, you know, those 256 ways, it wasn't really a failure. It was just a way to show you the way on how to succeed. So I, I have failures in my mind every off so, like all the time right like I always have challenges that I go through like when the pandemic happened I was like oh my god I'm gonna lose everything I build uh, I was freaking out like I was like I've been doing this for so many years I worked so hard and I built this business and now everything is going to be ruined right but luckily you know because I had the urgency of not losing now because I had something I didn't want to lose it. It really put a lot of fire under me. So like the next day after we got closed down, we had a full on schedule of online classes. Amazing. So the, all the clients that we had, they could have still keep the same exact schedule without changing anything. And then three months later, we were able to open a one studio outside in one of the hotels nearby. And then another studio that we opened was Hollywood, which was open in 2019. We were able to put the machines outside on a patio because we had a patio there. And we always were thinking, oh, my God, this patio is so beautiful. What are we going to do with it? <laughs> so when the pandemic happened, I literally grabbed the machines myself and I carried them out on a patio. And these yeah. machines are not light. I mean, these machines are very heavy. Like I did a lot of the labor work myself because I can't wait till I hire somebody to get the machines outside on the patio. You know, I need them now. Well, you've there. got pipes. I will say the listeners can't see you. I'm looking at you right now and I'm like jealous of the strength of your arms right now. Mine look like noodles in comparison. So clearly lifting up those machines wasn't too big of a task for you. I think I would have struggled more. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, you have to know how to lift things correctly too, you know, but it's definitely not a smart idea to start lifting all these machines by yourself, you know, yeah, I but I just did, I just did what I had to do at that point, I guess I was just like, I get, I get a lot of like excitement. And when I get that, I just have to do it. Like I can't wait. So, 
I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it is what it is. <laughs> no, I, I, I think it's a great thing, especially if you know how to execute properly. Because a lot of people I find, and myself included sometimes, will get so excited about something. And then you put the cart before the horse and you start doing everything and just going forward without a clear goal. But I feel like you're a person who has clear goals. Correct. I might not be right about that, but I, that seems what it's like. You seem to have very clear ideas in mind about where you want to go and where you want to end up. And how do you see the future of your business? Do you want to continue expanding or do you want to like just work with what you have and just continue to make that the best? I think, I, I guess because I'm doing this for a long time, you know, things change over time. So when I started originally, I didn't really have a direction. I didn't know where I'm going. And, you know, my husband was saying all the time, you should start your own Pilates training. And I'm like, I don't, I don't really know what I'm doing. What are you talking about? Like, I need a little more time, you know? Yeah. And then uh, like nine years into it, or maybe eight years into it, one of my top instructors left and opened a Pilates studio like a mile away. And that really kind of like shook me yeah. up in a good way, in a good way, because it really like, help me step up my game and find a direction. Now I was what well, this was the first time where I was like, okay, this is the direction we need to go in and we need to better and better on what we're doing uh, and improve every single day. So that was my new goal. And, um, you know, I keep expanding first studio I opened uh, wasn't a success. I actually ended up closing it during the pandemic and it stayed, clo- it stayed closed uh, because I didn't know what I'm doing. I didn't know what areas should I open it. I just kind of took on, I found this space, I decided to open it and I learned a lot from it. And I lost a lot of money, but I don't really think about that. Like I really think about what did I learn from that mm-hmm. experience? You know, and then I opened the next one, which was Natural Pilates in Brentwood. And that was a really good, successful studio. And it still is today. And that's the studio that we have outdoors at the Lax Hotel on Sunset, which is in Brentwood area. And it's amazing. People love to work outside. And uh, then we opened Natural Pilates West Hollywood in 2019. That was like right before the pandemic. And we were trying to figure it out. And a year into it, here we go, the pandemic happened and we had to shut it off. So I literally had to rethink and come up with new solutions on how I'm going to be moving forward and what changes do we need to make and how do we stay on top of our game despite of all the challenges that are coming in the way, you know, Mm -hmm. and you can't sleep. In a moment you sleep, you're lost. Like you can't, you can't take a break. You know, I learned that when you get comfortable and you take a mental break, that's when things happen and slip out of your mind. So, you know, unfortunately, over time, I tried, I tell people all the time, I've been trying to take it easy for years. I've been trying to work less for years. And every year I'm trying to work less, the pandemic happens, or this happens, or that happened. And I just never was able to take it easy. And now, 17 years later, we just opened uh, two new studios, Natural Pilates Sherman Oaks and Natural Pilates New York City uh, in Soho. And it's a different challenge now because, you know, 
I, I don't know the new market now in New York. It's a new market. We're new there. It's not like we have a name there. In LA, we do have a name. People know about us. But in New York, people don't. So it's a new challenge on how do I take the studio to to the next step? And what do I need to do in order to expand the brand? Because, yes, the vision for the brand is to open 10 more studios and then see where we are at that point in time. But I would definitely like to bring Natural Pilates nationwide. And, uh, you know, I think we have a really good product. And now we have a, a national accredited teacher training program that my husband was talking about at the beginning. And we do everything. We have an online subscription. We have teacher training. We have studios. And, you know, I'm basically involved in every single aspect of the business from teaching 30 hours a week to running the business to check on accounting to check on, you know, uh, marketing and Instagram and obsessing on things like every day. (laughs) So like this is huge, obviously, right? So you are actively involved in the business, like you said, about 30 hours a week. But then, of course, that's just the on the clock time with people. And then obviously when you run a business, there's countless hours off the clock when you're at home, when you're in the office, on the computer, just the brainstorming, the thinking, the scheduling that people don't see. That's a huge commitment. Your goals are massive and amazing. And I want you to achieve every last one of them. And all of this as a parent, regardless if you're a mother, a father, if you have people in your life that are dependent on you, that makes all of this so much more difficult. And I'm curious, like, where does your husband work for the company? Where do where does he come in? Like, is he a supportive role to you in this? And how does the dynamic work within your family? So it's for me, it actually works the other way around. So when I was the most busy in my career, when I just had one studio, I was working 12 hours a day, really every day, no kids, nothing else to do, just go out, party and work, you know, and then go on vacation. So me and my husband uh, got married and traveled for seven years and worked, you know, before we had kids. So we had a little bit of time. I got to a point in my career when I was like, okay, I need a huge change in order for to gain balance because I couldn't gain balance. I couldn't stop working. I'm a little bit of a workaholic, you know? And for me, having my first baby, it brought balance to my life because now I was forced to take time off mm-hmm. and go home and be with my baby. And then I was like, okay, needs a sibling. So I had the <laughs> second baby while I was opening another studio in the same time. So it's just like, for me, putting myself under a lot of pressure, somehow I tend to thrive. Nowadays, I'm kind of rethinking it if it's smart or not, because I'm like opening two studios at the same time, (laughs) just very challenging. And this is a new challenge that I brought to myself, you know, but I think having kids and having a family, for me, it's the balance I need. And my husband is amazing. He does the morning shift and I do the afternoon shift. So my schedule, I wake up every morning at four. I have a glass of water and I have my coffee and I organize for the day or I review videos for my online subscription. And, you know, then one time as I'm getting ready for work, I go to work. I work teaching where I can't really do anything else for probably most of the day. 
And then I pick up the kids from school every day and I take them to all the activities. My kids are very athletic and they, we do a lot of activities every day. And I love the taking them to activities. And, you know, when we get home, they, you know, it's pretty late in the night. So I'm checking on what else I need to check on Instagram, uh, checking to see what happened into that day. And then I basically have to go to bed once with them so I can get up at four <laughs> the Yo, next what, morning. What time do you go to bed at? I go to bed like nine. I mean, we go to bed a little late, nine, nine thirty. That's late if you're waking up at four. Yeah, but for my my body, I only need like six hours of sleep. So if I get six hours sleep, I'm happy. Like five hours is too little. Seven hours, it's like almost like a little bit too much. So in a weekend, I do seven hours. In a weekday, I do six hours, and I'm pretty happy. See, I do six that. hours, and I am not happy with that. It is <laughs> it is not enough. I am so tired. All right, Laura, we're gonna take a quick break and let our listeners know who we're supported by. We are supported by Bravado Designs. Bravado Designs makes the best nursing bras that you can get your hands on. Like the best. You know that, Shane. The best for your breasts. The best for your breasts. And not only do they now make the best nursing bras, but they have an everyday collection. So these are bras with no clips, not just for nursing mothers. And again, the same quality and practicality and comfort that you love and that you got used to with their nursing bras. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't often, honestly, like if I'm on a weekend, I'm not going to wear a bra. And the only bras I wear when I have to go to work or out anywhere are bravado. Are you wearing a bra right now? I'm going to feel. Don't answer me. Get this. You are. Get this, though. I'm wearing a bravado nursing bra. This is one of their like pull down nursing bras from a few years ago. (laughs) So you can get the nursing bras at bravadodesigns.com or you can head to the Canadian website for access to the everyday collection at ca.bravadodesigns.com. But regardless of which website you go to, if you use the promo code thisfamilytree20, you are getting 20% off. So again, that is bravadodesigns.com and thisfamilytree20. But we're also supported by True Earth. And if you listen to this podcast, you know that Shane and I have been trying to reduce our environmental footprint. And there are so many ways that you could do this in your own house. And True Earth has got you covered for a lot of those ways. It's a really easy way to if you're looking to get your foot into the door on reducing your environmental footprint. Yes. So one way that you can do this through their website among the many ways they have is doing what Shane and I are doing. And that's trying to eliminate single use plastics in your household. Because with two kids and like, you know, four people in here, it can build up. And an easy way to do that is in your laundry room. Those big old plastic jugs that waste water and don't even really get recycled because only what, 75% of what we throw in a recycling ends up in the recycling facilities. Which is weird that that happens. It's awful. But True Worth helps to remedy that because their laundry detergent, which Shane and I found like over a year ago now, it comes in these pre-measured soluble strips and you simply rip them apart, toss in the machine. It is so easy and there is no plastic. Yeah. And it does a really good job too. I'd almost buy it even if it did come in those big jugs. (laughs) (laughs) What I like about it though, because it comes in such compact packaging, we have what, 380 loads worth of detergent in the laundry room and it only takes up like six inches on the shelf. It's (laughs) an unfathomable amount of loads in there. It's amazing. What we typically use on the kids stuff is the baby detergent because it's fragrance free, it's gentle on everybody's skin and it's still so tough on dirt. And then on 
Our clothes, we really love the lilac breeze scent. It's so nice. It just, it makes everything smell happy. But check out True Earth Detergent at True.Earth and use the promo code ThisFamilyTree10 to get 10% off your order. You're going to love this product. Take our word for it. And again, that is True.Earth and ThisFamilyTree10. And now let's get back to our conversation. Okay, so wellness, right? Obviously, this is something that you're good at. This is something that you've, you've been a high-level athlete all your life right? This is ingrained in you. What is wellness to you? Is it eating perfectly all the time? You have a stringent routine. Is it getting out to party once a week? A couple, I barely party anymore, Laura. So like once a week is a lot for me. I I couldn't imagine even doing that. But what is, what is wellness to you? Like how does, how does that fit into your life? Because it sounds like something that's a part of your life, no matter what. I think for me, wellness is reducing my stress level. I, you know, I don't think, I mean, I like to exercise. I exercise my whole life. I feel like I need Pilates in my life at least three to four times a week. So if I don't have that, I don't feel as good as I want to feel. Uh, I usually eat very healthy. Rarely I don't, like I eat pizza like once a week. I eat pasta sometimes. I eat everything. I let my kids have candy if they Mm -hmm. want candy. And I teach them what's a healthy choice and what's not a healthy choice. I don't think restricting everything to the bone is a, it's a healthy way of living because you know a lot of people go up and down in weight because sometimes they starve themselves and they lose weight and then they binge so that's not the solution the solution is to gain balance in eating balance in exercise balance in life so when i exercise i don't kill myself i exercise good enough where i feel good when i eat same thing i learned to eat enough because when i moved into america i gained 30 pounds in four months because of the eating here. And I can see how the chemicals in the food affect your brain because this never happened to me in my life. I was waking up and I was like, what am I going to eat today? That was my Mm. main thing. And I was like, oh my God, who I became. And I literally like, how many, how much did you gain during the pregnancy? I gained 27 pounds. I gained in four months more than what I gained in my whole pregnancy. That was crazy. So you know, learning to manage how much do I eat? How much are my portions? Do I want to overeat? You know, it's just kind of like, you know what, that's saying what works for you? What works for you does not work for me. So I had to learn what works for me to feel good. How much do I need to eat to feel good? What do I need to eat to feel good? Because at the end of the day, when I eat too much, I feel bad. So I didn't want to feel bad. So then I had to be disciplined enough where I I said, okay, I just need to eat enough, not too much. So no, I, (laughs) I, I totally get that. And that changes too, for me. So like on a regular day in regular life, I just need to eat healthfully. Like I just need to eat just stuff that fuels your body positively. Otherwise, like I have lupus autoimmune disease. So if I don't eat healthfully, then I get really sluggish. I get really exhausted. I start flaring up. So I get a lot of inflammation and it's awful, but I still do treat myself every single day. I don't restrict anything ever in my life, but as long as I kind of have that balance of eating very healthy things most of the time, then everything else doesn't really matter. And then on weekends like this, so it's Canadian Thanksgiving right now, like I had pie and a butter tart 
for breakfast. <laughs> and then I had <laughs> eggs and bacon and toast after that. And that's what's making me feel good right now. And tonight I'm probably going to have, you know, a bottle of wine with my parents and my husband. And it's going to be great. And then I'm going to feel a different kind of balanced after that when I go back into my regular life and my regular routine. Because for me, without weekends like this, or, you know, just like appreciating holidays, appreciating the family around you, then the rest of it just seems like I'm kind of doing all of this for nothing. But I, I totally know what you mean about not feeling good if you're not doing what your body needs. And again, like for me, it, what my body needs kind of changes depending on, but it's always pretty much the same. Yeah, after after my second child, I got diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. Ah, and, yes, uh, I have that. Yeah, so I, um, you know, I... I changed my diet completely because I looked on YouTube and I tried to figure it out. Like, you know, everybody's different. So things will work different for everybody. So, uh, you know, I saw some people that cut all the sugar and all the grains. So that's what I did. And I got so skinny that I was like two years. I had no sugar at all. Zero. Like my salads were just lemon and no grains at all. So I was like basically a hundred pounds, which oh was God. like way too. And everybody was coming to me and saying, are you okay? And I, I was feeling great. I was just so skinny. I couldn't put any weight on. And then it didn't really work. You know, mm -hmm. my body just didn't didn't really like it. And then slowly I started introducing grains again and I got back to my weight, which my weight is usually like 110 to 114. That's like my healthy weight. And, you know, I just kind of learned to eat healthy and clean. And sometimes I have, you know, gluten and sometimes I have sugar, but not as much because I, you know, the least you eat sugar, the least you're going to want. The least you eat gluten, the least you're going to want. It's just like, I learned that it triggers my brain so much when I have, I got through different times in my life when I had a lot of bread in Romania with a lot of bread. So <laughs> I had a lot of bread. It's just my body craves bread. Mm -hmm. If I don't have bread, my body doesn't crave bread. It's just funny how that happens, you know? Oh, and I think we just have to honor what our bodies are asking us, you know? If you don't feel good one day, it's okay to have pizza and to have something that will make you feel good, you know? And um, you know, I, I mean, everybody's, as I said, different. So some people cannot eat gluten because they feel bad. So then it's fine. You know, I never really give people advice on what they should eat or what they should not eat, because I really think that if somebody really needs help, they need to see a, uh, like a licensed dietitian mm -hmm. that really takes it to the next level and goes to the cellular level versus a trainer telling somebody what to eat or not to eat. You know, it's not really my specialty. So I just know what works for me. And, you know, I'm, again, in this question, just curious on your perspective for yourself, um, again, as an athlete, a person in the wellness community, uh, and just like a young woman, um, what's your take on like alcohol, marijuana, anything like that? Like, do you partake in anything like that on occasion? Or is that like a uh, no? Well, you know, when I grew up, my mom said, if I smoke or do something, she's going to cut my fingers down. I mean, she wouldn't really, but you know, so uh, that was like always like, oh, my mom, if I do something, my mom is going to kill me. Like, you know, so I never wanted to try any drugs at mm -hmm. all. But when I turned 35, I went to Vegas and I said, okay, let's have some gummy bears. Oh, and it oh. creates such a weird feeling for me of uncontrolled that I do not like at all. Like I like to be in control all the time. So even if I have a glass of wine or two glasses of wine and I get a little buzz, I like in my mind, I know, oh my gosh, I'm getting too dizzy. I need to calm myself down 
and drink water so I can come back to control. So for me, it's not about, I don't like losing control. Even if I sit on a couch and I, I like feel like I'm not in control of my body, it's not a good feeling for me. So, you know, I'm open for, you know, having wine and having drinks with friends and stuff. But again, days when I overdrank, I'm not feeling good. And then we, we say, I'm not going to do this again. And then you do it again. And then you feel bad again. And it's just like, it's one of those <laughs> things that you can't really gain to balance, you know? <laughs> oh, well, I know it very well. Yeah. And like you said about the gummies, my husband and I had tried them a couple times early in our relationship, like before we had kids or anything. Like, I don't, am I just bad at marijuana? I don't know. But like, we couldn't, we couldn't do it and we stay so far away from it because it affects us both so negatively and it's just like not it's just not good I for us I don't know how people do it I'm like kind of like jealous when I see people being able to like take a gummy and be a normal human because we both just freak out I don't think they're normal they just look like they're normal but that's kind of like you know it's not like I can have a gummy and go drive it's like it's no wrong, no you no know? yeah well, I, <laughs> I, I mean I think people that. build I think people build tolerance to things just like anything else, you know, like drinking and doing drugs and stuff. But at the end of the day, it's just not good for you. So, you know, but it's in moderation, I guess. Occasionally it's fine. Whatever works for you. You know, some people like that feeling. I just can't um, can't have it. No, I, I, so. I can't get into it. Yes, yeah, so well. I'll, I'll stick with my wine. But I want to <laughs> ask and the last thing I want to get into kind of is pilates itself so i used to do pilates in university i did a lot of yoga i was getting into pilates and then i moved out of my university town there was less access to studios so i kind of fell away from it but i would always do it now and again like on um i download like an app or something like that and i do an online workout or a tv workout loved it haven't done it since i gave birth and i'm nervous as hell so my pelvic floor is shot. I need to start physiotherapy again because I stopped doing that during the pandemic. I need to do that before I do much of anything else because it's a problem. And then I also really hurt my tailbone. You know, it gets icy and snowy in Canada. So a couple of years ago, I slipped on the ice and I'm pretty sure I fractured my tailbone because it's been about seven years now and I oh, still wow. can't put any pressure on it. So I think it's healed terribly or not healed at all. But do you think Pilates would be a good option for me? I would love to do it and I, I'd have the stamina to do it and I'd be able to build onto it. But like, where where do I start? Okay, so Pilates is a strength training. It's a method of exercise. And it was introduced originally to me through a physical therapy office. So Pilates is used, one, for rehabilitation because it has so many modifications, right? So I train people that came out of back surgery, many of them. Uh, I train people that had a broken arm and they still did it. I, I train people with tailbone issues. I train people with pelvic floor uh, issues. I train people postpartum that uh, had diastasis recti. I train people with, I mean, things that you can and cannot imagine. So um, Pilates is great because you can modify based on what the client can and cannot do. So many times when I have a client that has injuries, I hear about their injury Um I'm pretty knowledgeable in anatomy and understanding what the injuries are. But still, my main question to them is like, what can you and cannot do? Mm -hmm. Because it doesn't matter what their injury is. Sometimes what they can or cannot do is different than 
what their injury is. So I want to take both things in consideration. So I say, I ask people, can you bend forward? Can you bend back? Does it hurt when you twist? Does it hurt when you side bend? Where exactly does it hurt when you do a specific movement? So it's very important for you as a person when you do exercise to understand your limitations. Like, okay, this position kind of hurts my back over and over again. I noticed it over the last three times I came in. Okay, then maybe you shouldn't do it for now. Maybe you can introduce it a little bit later. I think people tend to come to an exercise program and they feel like they need to do it today and they need to get in shape in the next six weeks. Well, unfortunately, it doesn't work like that. It's a lifelong process and it's consistency, right? Um, And usually the best results you see when you do a slow progression, like you don't want to over push it. You want to make sure you challenge for the level you are at. So I am a firm believer in challenge your body to the point where it still feels good and it doesn't feel achy. In a moment, it feels achy. It's a little bit too much. So you and me, that because we have autoimmune disease, if you work out too hard, that might build inflammation into the body. So we don't want to do that. So we want to make sure that we work out for health and for the longevity of it and not just for, you know, feeling like I'm going to die. (laughs) (laughs) And I always, I always tell my clients like under 35, you can kill yourself would do as athletic as you want. Over 35, I feel like it needs to be a maintenance program and, you know, challenge yourself just a little bit more than yesterday. Don't try to do too much because if you get injured, then you're not able going to do it at all. So it's not going to be good at all for you. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And that that's what, what I realized that I want in life. Like I'm 33, but I just, I want, especially with this autoimmune disease, I just want to be healthy and I want to be fit enough to like do things with my kids because we love activity here too. And, you know, I grew up as an athlete. My husband grew up as an athlete and we just want to be able to do stuff with our kids for as long as we can into old age. So for me, that's where the importance is. It's not necessarily like being the most fit person on the block. It's just being healthy and fit enough to have like a fulfilling life, you know? Yeah, I think I think for that it's really making, you know, happy mom, happy family, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's just doing for yourself whatever you need to do in order to feel good and then you'll be able to deliver that to your kids. So, you know, hopefully you're able to move and hopefully you're able to do the activities you want with your kids, but it, your kids are still little. When your kids grow, you don't have to do that much with them. I mean, I do archery with them. Sometimes I play soccer, but they're a lot faster and they have a lot more endurance <laughs> than me. I mean, you can't compete with that, you know? I know. And then I take my daughter to gymnastics. She does gymnastics. She's in a pre-team. She does it two times a week. And then, you know, they both do soccer. They both do swim. And I mean, they do a lot of activities. And nowadays they got into Pilates as well. I mean, they, they just love to do the Pilates work and we're trying to make it fun for them. And they actually see changes in their body. They like how you know, it starts young. They like how their body feel and they like how their body look. And I said, it's not just the exercise you're doing, but it's swimming that makes your upper body strong. Like my son, really, like he's nine. He likes to look, they both have six pack, which is amazing. (laughs) I didn't have a six pack at their age, you know, but 
it's not like I'm encouraging the six pack, yeah. but I'm saying like your upper body looks nice because of swimming and your endurance is good because of running and soccer, you know, and then that builds the competitive nature in kids as well. And then, you know, archery helps you with focus and concentration and uh, what else they do music that will help them with, you know, their brain and their, to be calm and to be able to listen to music. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a huge quality for adults to be able to listen and even more should start in a child, you know, because a lot of times when I teach my classes, I'm like, adults are just as bad as kids of not listening. You know, (laughs) we zone out more than anybody else. It's like, I'm like, Hey, where are you? I want to know what you're thinking right now. (laughs) No, 100%. And then you, they lack the fear of being caught right because like when you're a kid you don't want your teacher your parent to be like oh like they caught me zoning out or not doing what I was supposed to as an adult you kind of say like oh who the hell cares if like I'm an adult I'm allowed to zone out if I want to so we lack that kind of intrinsic motivation I think too yeah but in the same time like you come to Pilates to be present and to be in your body so zoning out is really out of the purpose of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, if somebody just wants to zone out and that makes them happy, I mean, I'm happy to let them zone out, you know? <laughs> but unfortunately, the more you bring your mind into the body when you exercise and you feel where you're supposed to feel it versus just doing it, uh, the more you're going to get out of it. You're going to feel it more. People say all the time, oh, my God. I never felt those muscles before. I didn't know I have them. And I'm like, you did know you have them. You just never focused on them. You know, you just never had that feeling before. So it's just that powerful as awareness. Like we're doing crunches, right? Crunches is a very simple exercise. People say that to me all the time. Oh my God, I never felt this before. It's because, you know, in the traditional training, crunches is bringing the head up and down, but it's not really specific on how to do it. Mm -hmm. So if you teach people on specific how to do a movement, then they feel it more. So it's not just about saying the choreography that you're supposed to do. It's really about teaching you, okay, you bring the ribs down towards your pelvis and you really see if you can shorten those muscles or generate more tension into those muscles with every single repetition. You know, it's, it's just that basic and simple, you know, and most of the time we're missing the basic stuff. I think if we get really good at the basics, we should be just as happy as we can be because everything else on top, it's a bonus, you know, but I feel like everybody's trying to bypass the the basics and just move straight to the top. And if you don't have a strong structure, you're not going to have a strong outcome. So that's kind of the way I look at things. You know, I'm trying to, to stay really basic and just do the right thing and do the you know, do everything the best I can. So I have a good outcome. But again, you just never know how the outcome is going to be. (laughs) Laura, I need your intensity and dedication. Do you still do online? Yeah, we do online. We have an online subscription, naturalpilatestv.com, where we offer math, we offer reformer, pre-recorded, but also live stream classes. So you could do a live stream class with us. And then we have, for instructors, we have like a lot of workshops that we have available there that I filmed with a lot of uh, orthopedic doctors, which it's so hard to get access to, but I'm so lucky because I work with them in one of the studios that I own. You know, we work with a back doctor and a hip doctor, like the top ones in LA. So we're really grateful to be able to have a lot of access to knowledge and you know we're taking advantage of it which is good I guess (laughs) 100% no that's amazing so Canadians can do these classes too 
You don't have yes. to be in LA. Amazing. See, no. I like yes. this. I like this. I like your intensity. I can only imagine you're a great instructor. Um, and where else, where can people find you online? Where, where can they find any natural Pilates stuff or your own stuff? So the website is naturalpilates.com. Uh, if anybody has any questions uh, about fitness, about health that I can answer, <laughs> Uh, they can find me at my email address, laura.naturopilates at gmail.com. All the locations are displayed on uh, on the website. Hopefully in a couple of years, we're going to have locations all over um, U.S. Amazing. and hopefully in Canada. Actually, my uh, my equipment supplier is from Canada, is oh. Marithew. Yeah, it's Marithew and uh, it's one of the best equipment lines. And, you know, we, they have a great um, a tr- teacher training program as well. And I got certified through them. So amazing. I work, I work with Canadians all the time, but, you know, hopefully in the future, uh, Instagram is natural Pilates. And I think TikTok is natural Pilates TV. I don't even know. I'm so bad with like, <laughs> social media stuff. <laughs> You got a lot on your plate. It's excusable. I mean, how can we keep up with like TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn? And that's just like, you know, there's a couple of other ones that, you know, I mean, you need a full-time job to just do that. And, you know, I mean, it's a lot. (laughs) No, it's wild. It's like way too much. I totally hear you. But Laura, thank you so, so much for joining me today. And like, best of luck with, everything that you do in your business it's amazing and I aspire to have that level of I I think I do but I don't recognize it but I aspire to recognize that level of dedication within myself one day I think I think we just need to give ourselves a little bit more credit because people say all the time you know you're you know people know about you you're famous and I'm like you're talking about me like (laughs) uh, it's like it's a long way it's a long way but it's like looking back where you come from and what you've done and, you know, the, the purpose of what you're doing, you know, it, it's just you have to give yourself credit for, you know, your daily schedule because it's not that we're just having a business, you know, we're parents too. And at the end of the day, I feel like that's the most important thing because business can go away within a split moment. And I'm trying to remind that to me all the time. Business is supposed to be just a filler. You know, the most important thing is family and it's close friends because life is just too short to uh, to stress and to, you know, all these obstacles that the business brings. But obviously we can have a bit good life unless we make money. So uh, I don't know. I'm just trying to find <laughs> a sweet spot. I'm balanced in my brain. No, it's hard. It's hard. But it sounds like you're doing a wonderful job. And honestly, truly, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. Good job. Pilates. <laughs> it was about so much more than Pilates, Shane. Well, I'm just saying Pilates in general is good job. Thank you. All right. But are you ready for the mailbag segment? Yes. The question and answer period. So this is where you, the listeners, send over questions to Shane and I, and we answer them for you. Let's do it. All right. So the first question, super topical. I had this one sent through a DM. This listener wanted to know if it was worth it to pay for tickets for something for your kids, like a big event. Is it worth it? Because they might not remember it. So I think they were referring to the fact that we took the kids to the Wiggles yesterday. And we, we had pretty decent seats, but that, that was by accident just because our you tickets. You weren't there. I wasn't there. 
but we took the wi- the kids to the Wiggles. I helped in the preparations. Yeah, no one remembers anything, even adults. Like yeah. f- five years ago, we did this. Everyone has memories that are so. <coughs> everyone has memories that are so different. Sometimes you remember stuff, and it's not how it happened. It's just mm-hmm. how it felt, and you're remembering more of the story of how you retold it than what actually happened. So memories is a interesting thing, but I do find there's value in the moment. Even memories aside, having good moments is worth it because that's one thing to spend your money on is little moments. And Lucy, maybe this long-term memory won't last because I hear it can't, but she recalls stuff from when she was two and three all the time. And maybe when she's six, her memory only goes to four. But for right now, her memory is wild because Mm -hmm. I guess she's got tons of bandwidth in there because there's not a lot to push it out. But yeah, her memory is eight times better than mine is. Mm -hmm. Plus, it's just it's so fun to have those experiences. And all of those experiences, if you're having positive, happy times with your kids, then that's just going to create like a super loving foundation that they just bring with them day after day, week after week. And just all these really positive things that you're doing. Like we brought Lucy to Disney World when she was one and a half and she was out of her mind having so much fun. Like and so much fun. She sees the pictures. She knows she went there. Mm-hmm. She wants to go back. It's memories a, a funny thing. Yeah. But I definitely think it's worth it. I will say the Hamilton crowd, like, you know, I've seen videos on YouTube and I had this expectation if I went to a, a wiggle show, there'd be tons of kids dancing. Yeah. These kids in Hamilton, they don't dance. They don't? No one was dancing. I, sh- I sent you a video. Betty's just standing in the sure. aisle. The Wiggles are looking around like, what's going on with this city? Lucy danced for a bit, then sat in Roseanne's lap the whole time. <laughs> Betty was on the floor the most, and she kind of just stood still and waved. And I was grooving the most. Yeah. Were you doing the propeller? That, that's a hard move. That move is very difficult for that's me. That's why I'm asking. It's tricky. No, I didn't do the propeller. What about the bu- belt buckle shine? I don't recall that, <laughs> but I was moving. I was grooving. Yeah, I was really sad to miss that. It looked like fun. I was missing Emma, though. They have these oh, new man, kids. Yeah. Like They got this bodybuilder-looking kid who can do backflips. They have Anthony's daughter. They have some new people, and I'm just, you know, I'm a, I'm an Emma fan. So Oh, she's she's the best. And I mentioned in my stories eh, that we were sad that she was gone, but happy for her or whatever. And she hit me up. She Double tapped it and liked it with a heart. Uh, no, up. she gave me a bunch of prayer hands. Okay. So she did <laughs> one step above the bare minimum. <laughs> She's just prayer handing everyone in her DM. No, I loved it. Okay, next question. What's the worst thing that you did when you were growing up and how would you handle if your child did it? I've probably done so many worse things. Being a kid, you're so stupid. Um yeah, I don't I don't know. Stealing. Like I'm so against stealing yeah. and anything like that. And you know, like I I always felt like I wanted like stuff, like candy. I always wanted candy and I didn't really I I used to get a dollar allowance a week and I felt that that was unjust. So I would steal <laughs> money from my mom's purse. Oh, and in my opinion, that is the most deplorable thing I think you can do. Yeah, no. Like, I've, there's so much worse, but I'm saying within the realm of just normal bratty kid evil uh, behavior. Mm-hmm. No, there was some 
like we were in high school when cell phones started getting really popular and mm-hmm. like people started having them on them. Uh, and there was one instance and I, if Lucy or Betty ever did, I would be so upset just as I'm sure my parents were with me because they did raise me not to do this and I did know better. Yeah. But uh, my friends and I pretended to be a guy that some that likes somebody and we like sent one of our friends like a message it's like so it's so gross i hate this whole situation but we sent her a message from this like made up guy who liked her and mm. she was like really happy and it made her feel really good and then we told her that we were the guy and he wasn't real and that she was devastated and so upset with us obviously because we were best friends and then like we we made up and we got over it um, because we realized how idiotic it was. I, the entire time we were doing it, I don't know what compelled us to, but it was awful. And I I cringe so much thinking about that moment and things like that. I think I think that happens a lot more with the internet. It's like, it's it was like weird catfishing. It didn't well, last long. People but. didn't know about catfishing back then. Now people actually know catfishing and technology so advanced if somebody's not FaceTiming you, kids are pretty aware that, oh, this is fake. But yeah, I think back in the day I was probably doing, I think everyone was experimenting with little weird chats and lies yeah. and stuff like that and impersonations. I feel like that happened in my school quite a bit where people were doing catfish type stuff. So to think of how we'd handle it if the girls ever did that, I think that we'd obviously knowing what all that stuff is now – we make them aware of it and the repercussions of it. But if they were to do something like that and like knowingly deceive somebody, try and think of how to handle that. Probably like taking away their device for a little bit or something. Oh, I don't care about punishments like that. It's To me, it's all about making them understand. And nothing's more powerful than emotions. So it's sure do a punitive punishment but mm-hmm. i i want to them to feel it oh, of course actually feel it and whatever punishment's just extra or whatever and i don't think that's effective at all but how how do you make them feel it just like through discussion yeah like mm-hmm. i think that is people are always like hey, here's my superpower and it's so overused and um you know uncool to say i have a superpower for that but i i think that is one thing i'm good at is sitting down with somebody making them really understand what they've done and and why and you know it's hard to talk about it here on a podcast as a hypothetical but i feel like in practice i'd be good at that sort of thing and making lucy realize why what she did was wrong no for sure who do you think is going to be more trouble by the way when they're like adolescents Mm, probably the same for different reasons Mm, i agree i think my brother and i were the same for different reasons but i always get looked back upon as being the most troublesome only because i went through everything first you know Mm -hmm. what i mean and you're just more clumsy and goofy and overt whereas jake (laughs) would be more like i feel like anything your brother did would be sneakier and harder to detect and catch whereas you would just you know get drunk at a young age and come barging in the door or barf or break a leg before a trip and all these it'd be be not being able to shut up when telling my parents about my night and then they'd be like alex have you been drinking and i'd say no and then i just go on another 10 minute explanation of whatever and they'd be like Mm -hmm. you're lying (laughs) yeah yeah you're very extra 
Yeah, yeah. So I would think me and my sister were very troublesome in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, the next question. What are your thoughts on what Drew Barrymore said about her sex life? Did you know what she said? I didn't know, so I had to look this up. I don't know. What did she say? She's bisexual? No, she said that she has no problem being celibate for years at a time. And in fact, she's concerned that going without sex for extended periods of time has actually become like too easy for her. Like she Mm -hmm. doesn't care. It's just not of importance. So what do we think? I I, I don't know. I think that's if it's not important to her. I think that's a good thing. Yeah. And you do do what you want to do. Don't do what you don't care about doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. I remember Rivers Cuomo from Weezer famously was uh, celibate for a long period of time. Really? Yeah. He was, it was like a meditative, meditative thing for him. Was he self-celibate? Do you know what I mean? I don't know. <laughs> Interviews back then didn't dive in the way I wanted to. But you're jerking it, right? <laughs> like, excuse me, sir. Are you uh, self-celibate? Uh yeah, I don't know. I, it feels very difficult. No, I've think. I've heard a lot about mm-hmm. some men doing this thing where it's like um, Stern. Howard Stern was actually talking about it, and it's it was a, it's a thing where like they don't they don't do anything for a long time. They don't orgasm for like thirty days at a time, and then it's supposed to be like this kind of like what you said like a meditative thing and then when they do it it's like an epiphany of sorts but then there's what's the epiphany (laughs) i'm horny (laughs) eureka eureka But yeah, I don't know. I I haven't heard anybody do that in practice like that I've spoken to. Mm-hmm. And yeah, if Drew doesn't care, then she doesn't care. If she cares about it and then she's not getting that, then that sucks. Like if you want that and you're not getting yeah. that, you got to make it happen. You got to do something, you got to change something. But if she doesn't care, whatever. Yeah, it can be it can be a hindrance, you know. It can it can be <laughs> annoying. It's Is she like- single? Um, I guess she, I guess so. Yeah, I don't know much about her. I know she's been married quite a few times, but. Tom Green, who else? Lots, lots of people. Five, six times she's been no, married. No, really? Yeah. Oh, maybe she's just probably tired of it. Wait, I don't want to speak at a turn now. Now I got to Google it. Okay, let's see. Hey, Suri. How many times has Drew Barrymore been married? Drew Barrymore was married to Tom Green from 2001 to 2002. Why is Suri exactly like you? Like she just goes for the most famous person? I like I hate when Google knows more than Suri. It shouldn't be that way. No, no. Suri should give you every answer right away. How many? Okay, can you help me out here too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's see. She's married three times. Okay. So Jeremy Thomas was the first one, then Tom Green, then Will Koppelman mm-hmm. was the most recent. They divorced in 2016. Yeah. Okay. Three times. So I did her dirty a little bit by saying five. Okay. okay so we've decided that we're comfortable with Drew doing what she wants. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Next question. Have you had any meaningful self-realizations lately? I think the realization I have more and more is that like i'm not saying nothing's important because things are important children is important love is important but 
it's just that nothing should feel so overwhelming and stressful that it's dominating your life and making you upset. Mm-hmm. Like, like I was talking to my mom the other day. Yesterday, I talked to my mom for about two hours. Even something like stage four cancer, which is very terrifying and scary and you would think you'd have an impending doom or dread and my mom probably does have moments where she is feeling that but she's just like what am I gonna do like I'm just I gotta enjoy the time whether it's a month or six months or a year or whatever she just has to enjoy the time the best she can mm-hmm. and to me that helps put things in perspective because you know, sometimes I think like, oh, what if I was just stranded on an island? I'd kill to be back home yeah. and just eating a little chip or having a pop. <laughs> I would savor it. I would, you know what I mean? Like of being course. in a very scary situation. And I think that's why sometimes I seek out scary stories or whatever. Like you do that too mm-hmm. in a different way. But I look up like terrifying documentaries and serial killers and stuff like that. It just makes me feel better about my own life when something really scary is going on elsewhere that it it gives me a appreciation for my life. And that I forgot the question is again. Self-realization. Oh, self-realization. Yeah, I've been I've been realizing this for a long, long time Mm -hmm. just to not take anything too seriously. And we had a guy die on our set. We were shooting recently um, and. He, he wasn't an old guy. He, he wasn't young. He was, you know, 59, 60, but he died. And it was like, you know, you're living your whole life and then you're just gone. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, that's it. Like, that's it. And you have all these worries and stresses and oh, the bill. And it's like, who cares? And I think that is a main thing when uh, I was talking to, I have a friend who's holding a weird grudge. Yeah. And it's it's just, I could never hold a grudge like that. I just couldn't because I'm so thinking about time and how important it is to utilize time mm-hmm. in the best way possible. Yeah, no, I, I understand that completely, especially with the grudges. Like I even tried to hold a grudge against one of my uh, good friends in recent years because she just kind of up and left and doesn't ever try to take part in anything or message anybody. Mm-hmm. And I was upset with her because like I love her and I miss her and I like her presence. And I, I was like, shocked and still I'm shocked that she can just like so easily take herself out of the situation but I can't hold the grudge and I don't even just like text her I like if I'm on a drive like going to work I'll straight up call her at like 7 45 in the morning and be like hey how's your day and just have a chat and it's so nice and like that happens maybe once every like six months I can I'm incapable of holding a grudge and my mom is the same way too. And talking with her, I realized how much I'm like her because she's into the serial killer docs. <laughs> and I was telling her, I was like, I can't watch them. Alex won't watch them with me. <laughs> I want to watch the Jeffrey Dahmer thing. But I'm like, and I have no time. It's like reading. Yeah. If I'm not around you, I have no free time to myself. I, all my free time is spent with you. So I can't do anything that you don't like, essentially. And uh, she's like, that Dahmer, you know, it's like, I, you feel bad for him. And she's oh my just, God. she's, my mom is like so empathetic. And I find I fall into that category. Like no matter what you do to me, I'm just like feeling bad for the other person or willing to still be their friend. Or mm-hmm. if they, if someone said sorry to me, I would never not be able to forgive them no matter mm-hmm. what it was. I just couldn't. And that's. Not an epiphany, but I feel like I'm even more like that than I ever was. And I've always been a lot like that. 
But what if it's like somebody that you know so well, like me? What do you mean? Like, what if like I broke your favorite thing? Like, I'm trying to think of like what your broke favorite my thing favorite is. thing. <laughs> That's your thing. I'm, you think I care about stuff that much? No, I just you broke can't. my favorite thing. Like, it would have to be emotional. I couldn't think of it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Bad example, but just to put it out there again, Shane. I don't hate reading. I love reading. I love it. Okay. You're holding a grudge on that comment. Yeah. Well, you just brought it up again. You said something Alex hates doing. You said reading. No, certain things you just don't tend to gravitate towards that I just don't do. If if you loved reading, I promise you I would be reading every night with you. Let's read tonight after the pod. This is the most Alex Shane, type got- of s- scenario ever where you will hop on something just to spite hop on it and prove <laughs> that you could theoretically read. I, I don't do things like that. I'm either in it to really do it or I'm in it to relax. I actually have a book in our book room that I've been wanting to read for a long time yes. and have been thinking about a lot lately. But then you're betraying another activity that you said you wanted to do the month of October with the, which, watch the horror movie. which is a finite month. So you want to do everything to prove to our listeners right now that you can read and <gasps> not because you actually want to read. What if I read you a spooky short story? Worst thing I'd ever do in my life probably is have you read a spooky <laughs> short story. No, I don't give a shit about that. <laughs> Get away from me. <laughs> I, I have some good ones. I actually read one to a class the other day. It's like a woman cooking dinner for her husband on their 10th anniversary. And just ah! it's really slow. <laughs> and it just goes over every little detail, like mashing the potatoes, putting spices on the pork chops, every little detail. And then it's a, as it's they're, a human. No, as they're eating, cooking a human. as they're eating, it's her kid. She like well as she's going through it, you find out that she doesn't really like she doesn't love it, and that she's holding a bit of resentment towards her husband. And then they're eating, and then he looks at her, and he's like, "Oh my god, Jenny, what's going on?" And she's having a reaction because she poisoned herself, and she's framing him for her murder. That's not scary. It was scary. The way it's written, Shane, is scary. That's more like a thriller. <laughs> that is no, you got okay. Well, there's this one Poe short, po short story, and I'm going po to give show? it. Ed- <laughs> what do you say? This is English? Edgar Allan Poe short oh, story. Oh, you can't just go saying Poe short story. I'm not scared of Edgar Allan Poe. He no. was scary when like radio and TV and movies no, didn't exist. No, this one, this one short story he has is amazing. And it's about this like house and it's been generations and generations of this family in there. And then the house, everybody's sick and then the house starts crumbling. And then you realize all this like incest and disgusting disease and like all this. It's, it's nuts. It's really freaky. Mm-hmm. It's good. Okay. Read it to me tonight. <laughs> What's the next question? Okay. I haven't told you my realizations. They are much less meaningful than yours. That's uh, what you realize? <laughs> <laughs> My first one is that I'm a plopper. Uh, I plop on couches and on beds. And in the toilet, get fellas. Out of here. Not like that. Oh. So like if Shane's sitting on the couch, I'll just come and throw myself down right beside him. And if he's drinking a tea, he'll be like, eh, Alex, don't spill my tea. It's because I'm a plopper. It's my fault. <laughs> well, and I don't then- think anyone would want tea on them. And I don't think I put on that old lady voice. <laughs> Oh, Alex, don't spill my water. Like, whatever it is, you know, I spill it on you, and I'm sorry about that. Uh, next, this one's a little meaningful, actually. 
I think I love small talk and like schmoozing so much in social mm-hmm. settings because there's no negative outcomes because everybody's just being nice just because it's social. But the thing is, I I can get to really deep conversations with people in small talk environments and really meaningful conversations. It's not small talk though. Well, okay, then what casual casual conversations like going around and but they they still have such a positive angle to them because nobody wants to get into a negative thing with somebody that they're talking to for possibly just a short amount of time. And I'm like scared of conflict, right? But I'm really good at schmoozing and small talk. And I think that's that's why because I know that there's not going to be conflict, which I typically like run away from. I think you've had some cringeworthy small talk. And I think you've you've told me horror stories of small talk you've had. I think you're a good, the level above small talk. Medium talk. Me, mid talk where you're still not comfortable enough to actually ever get upset with someone or mm. have a disagreement no matter what political view or anything they have. When you're in that pocket of uncomfortable but comfortable like smiley talk yeah you're good at that conversations you'd get in at a children's birthday party after the initial small talk is over but yeah i find you have a lot of like oh i said this thing and if it's a small talk situation i find you you tend to kick yourself a lot well because i'm putting myself in those situations so many times in a day it only makes sense that i have like but i mean that's like small talk it's the the coming and going when how to you're a very bad lever of a conversation oh i can't leave so can't leave a combo. but i find what you're talking about is more yeah. when, when you're in the heart of it i'm not trying to roast you i just think you're better the one layer into small talk medium talk yes i like it i like it i think that's where my, uh, my i like heart medium lies. talk too i hate small talk though mm-hmm. i like the talk you're talking about yeah, that medium stuff is nice. And then you never know where it's going to go. It could get into heavy talk. Yeah. But you don't know. You don't know what somebody's going to drop on you. Yeah, it's fun. It like, is fun. I, like I like when I'm at work and I'm bes- like it, we're done with the weather mm-hmm. and then it's we know it's not going to be awkward pause and then we get into that other stupid conversation. That's what I like. Oh, yeah. No, me too. And yeah, I because I like it so much, I think people feed off of that. And then I hear like life stories, family crises. It's fascinating. Oh, people will tell me anything. Same. I told yeah. you about the conversation that somebody told me last week. It was wild. About what? About the crumbling marriage. Oh, and that was in real life? Yeah. Yeah, people will tell me how much money they have in their bank account, anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the final question for the night Do you ever miss parts of lockdown? Sometimes I think having a few forced days within our family to lock down a year would be a good idea. That's so weird. I was thinking about this right before we started the podcast. I was going to get into like pandemic related questions. Like, what do you miss about the lockdown? That's so strange that that's one of the last questions. Yeah, I think about it a lot. Just how weird of a time it was. I'm nostalgic for that time. That time almost feels like it didn't exist. Like it's this weird 100%. forgotten chunk because mm-hmm. we we moved on so quickly from it. Once it was over, it was like that Band-Aid yeah. thing where we're just back to kind of normal life and going out. But yeah, there was a coziness to it. There was a communal element that everyone was in it together. You could watch an Instagram live yeah. <laughs> like right now i feel like i could never do that you know there was something cozy about like snuggling up with a blanket just you knew everyone was online at the same time it was a, it's it, i'm not distilling it properly but it was an interesting feeling 
of having essentially the entire world doing something together. Well, I liked the routine that we were in at home. And, you know, it was just working, going to work every day. Like for you, I mean, we just, we had Betty. So we had the newborn thing and it was kind of a nice time to be at home with a newborn baby in a lot of regards. In a lot of regards, harder, but too. But I liked the routine we were in. Our mornings were so calm. Mm-hmm. And just slow and nice. And we, I don't know, I I feel like you and I adapted really well to it. But I think that we do that to any situation. But I, I do miss how cozy it was. Like, I never wore makeup. I put on makeup like once a week. I loved that freeness. And it yeah. just felt good. Like, I felt clean in a way. Do you know what I mean? It was like a shame-free environment. There wasn't a lot of things that you could be embarrassed about at that time yeah yeah no it was nice nice aspects i like i like the uh maybe one day in lockdown and remembrance year being all right family pandemic day and then everybody just got to stay in pjs and like bake sourdough well i really liked that places that never would deliver would all of a sudden deliver like my pie would deliver to us castelli yeah, now they don't really deliver. They're not even on the apps anymore. I know. Taco sucks. Bell started delivering. And... Thank God. Oh, man, I'm getting hungry. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, good episode, Alex. Good questions, <laughs> listeners. Uh, thank you so much for listening to This, this Family, Family Tree, Tree Podcast. Podcast, episode 146.